A reading from Isaiah. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exalt when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The word. A reading from Titus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all, training us to renounce impiety and worldly passions, and in the present age, to live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly, while we wait for the blessed hope and the manifestation of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He it is who gave himself for us that, we, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people of his own who are zealous for good deeds. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. In those days a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom God favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, 
Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they heard and seen, as had been told to them. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. This is probably the best known story in the United States, isn't it? And we hear it year after year after year. And I want to suggest to you that maybe there's a new way of hearing it this year that is worth listening to again. In fact, I want to suggest to you that maybe there's two ways that are worth hearing again this year. The traditional story we know. Joseph and Mary have gone to Bethlehem to be counted and no one, no one will take them in. The town is full. There's no hotel room for a child. And so they are forced to go to the stable. And there amidst the animals, the baby Jesus is laid in the hay. And we know this narrative, don't we? We know it. The story says to us, the Savior comes to bring salvation in those places that are remote. Those places that are not clean, those places in our lives that are often overrun with animals, and that the way God chooses to do this is not as an adult. No, God has not chosen to come and bring salvation in a swarthy hero figure. God has not come to end all of our problems in a snap. I mean, isn't this real? Do your problems end in a snap? No, instead, God has chosen to be born in those places outside, those places where there was no room, and to do it as a child. A child who desperately needs us to listen and care for him. We know, we know that babies, if you've ever had one or been around them, it's going to be at least 12 years before they can do much for themselves. And then they'll be teenagers. <laughs> Jesus included. And perhaps then this is the reminder that what salvation looks like for God is not a switch that is flipped, but instead us carefully tuning our ears to nurture the Christ child in those places that are so uncomfortable for us, in those places that we think God deserves better than that. And maybe the story is asking us to go look for the Christ child this new year in the places we know he can't be. And to listen. Listen for the cries of the baby Christ. To nourish him and to care for him with the promise that God can save even the places in our lives we're afraid of. 
be a good ending to the story. But I want to tell you there's another way to hear it. This is from the work, and if you were here last year, you heard some of this, but I promise there'll be something new. If you were here last year, you heard there's, there's been some new evidence by a New Testament scholar called Kenneth Bailey that says, you know, in could be interpreted a different way. In could be interpreted as actually the guest room in somebody's house because truly if Joseph is from Bethlehem, he's going to see his people. I'm going to see my people tomorrow. They live in Kentucky. And let me tell you what it's like when, when the horde, my brother has five children as a horde, when we descend on our people's house. People sleep in the living room. They sleep on couches. If we need to, we sleep on the floor in the dining room because when your people come, in Kentucky at least, they all got to stay in the same house. In fact, it would be an affront to my mother if I were to stay at an inn. I would be saying her hospitality is not good enough for me, even though, frankly, it's not going to be, right? <laughs> we know how this works, right? We're already kind of stretching the back. Turns out this is probably true in the Joseph story, or could be. Joseph is not at an inn, he's at the home of a distant relative. And homes in that time were built sort of as multi-levels. Animals were too valuable to be kept outside. These are peasants, they don't have stables. What they did each night is they brought the animals inside. The animals were safer that way. They brought warmth into the house. And sure enough, they ate there. And so it turns out, archaeologists have discovered most homes are built with a low part like this, and then a raised part, about as high as this rail right here. And of course, this is where the manger goes because this is the height at which animals eat. And then it's a one-room house. And if the family is big enough and has enough connections, then they have a guest room upstairs. And there was no room in the guest room. Don't you see? So according to this idea, Jesus is born, well, just like all the rest of us. Like all the rest of us. Babies aren't born in guest rooms. They're born in the dining room. Maybe instead of being on the manger, see, that's normal for them. It wouldn't be normal for us, but it's normal for them. Imagine the baby Jesus being laid on the buffet table at your dinner this evening. Imagine... The baby Jesus is laid not in a manger, but on the coffee table when you unwrap gifts tonight or tomorrow morning. Imagine that Jesus is on the counter of your kitchen as you are preparing a meal. He is in the most regular and pedestrian places in your life. And as with before, if you go with the traditional read, he's born out of town. He's born in such a way that if we don't care for him, we won't see the salvation this year that he's supposed to bring. Imagine, in this way of hearing the story, that Jesus, 
The baby Jesus is born at those awkward family moments that are so part of everyday living, especially around the holidays. If it's not for you, it's Thanksgiving. Jesus is on the Thanksgiving table, at the, the buffet on Thanksgiving dinner, when there's 15 aunts and uncles and you don't even know their names. He's there. And Jesus, again, is there when you're opening gifts, just sort of there. Jesus is in your office. Maybe on the filing cabinet, places you're used to going, the places where you're tired of that co-worker bothering you or not bothering you. Or Jesus is in the car when your teenage child is trying to drive <laughs> in the back seat. And I know you're thinking Jesus would never be born there because that's dangerous. <laughs> and isn't that actually the craziest part about this story is that that's where God dares to be born. In the regular places that are so regular and so routine that frankly we couldn't even imagine what hope for change would look like. And the story says, listen for the Christ child in those places. Listen. You don't even have to make him room in this read. He's coming whether you make room for him or not. But when he comes, listen and be ready to care for him. See, this is where the story is actually pretty darn true to life because I was looking at my four-year-old daughter the other day and I was thinking... Gosh, your birthday was the best day of my life, but you know it wasn't. Um, well, mom's water broke at one in the morning. That wasn't exactly according to plan, so it took a long time. And the doctor was busy, you know, really busy. So we had to wait. And one of the nurses, golly, it's like she couldn't even be bothered to change a dressing or bring some water because we just need another one in an hour. You know, I mean, this was sort of the day. Oh, man. And then she was born, and she had to have her lungs vacuumed out, you know, because there was some fluid in there, so we didn't get to hold her right away. And then she came, you know, and golly, I'd never really held a child that small before, and who knew if I was going to drop her or something, you know, babies are slippery, right, and squirmy. <sighs> so full of anxiety. Anybody been there before? <laughs> You've been around babies, I think you have. Of course, the day wasn't the best day in my life, but it sure did represent one of the best days in my life, you know? Because it was the day that something new in my life was born. Something that I chose to listen to. Something that I chose to heed in the middle of the night and feed and take time for. And you know, that little baby became a lot more important than, well, my work. And I created a whole bunch of new routines for her. And I'll tell you, when I look at her, whether she's awake or asleep, as long as I'm not tired or hungry, really, I see God in that baby. I see God in that child. That's what this story is about. This story is about God being born in those places of our life that are impossible, that are regular, that are just so normal that there couldn't be anything new. And our opportunity to listen and say, God, I hear you. God, I hear you. And that's why we need the Eucharist. That's why we need energy for our spirits. Because the truth is, waking up 
at 12 in the morning and 3 in the morning to care for a baby takes a lot of energy. <laughs> and I wouldn't probably do it for your baby even though I'll do it for mine. And I don't know that I want to do it in my place of work or at my family Thanksgiving because it's work. The promise is if we'll tend to the call of the Christ child, God will grow something we didn't even think possible. And that thing is love, hope, joy, and peace. So whether you've made room for Christ this year or not, He will show up. My prayer is that I and that you will listen and will care for the Christ child in those vulnerable, regular, and hopeless places so that salvation can come to our world this year. Merry Christmas.